world today is driven by fear. Fear is a powerful emotion. It's the chink in your armor that the enemy uses to control you. The Apostle John wrote that the whole world lies in the sway of the wicked one who, with the world wide web at his disposal, now has a distribution network like never in history. So many different voices with twisted truth designed to keep you off balance and driving you to learn more and more. Is it bringing you peace? Are you weary? Are you finding it harder to be still and to hear the still small voice of the one who loves you? So grab your favorite beverage, find a quiet place and join Banner Kid for the Love is Calling podcast. Let's focus on Jesus, the lover of our souls. Well, hello and uh, good day to you. I appreciate you joining me here on this beautiful, not quite yet spring, but close to it day here in Auburn, Indiana. We're in early March. Spring's around the corner and we've got blue skies and sunshine today. So just really excited about that. Excited about the new life uh, the reborn life that comes with spring, and it uh, testifies of the new spirit, the new life in me that I've been given by my belief in Jesus, and that's an exciting thing to me. Well, today, um, I'm kind of winging it. Uh, I started by writing something up that I was going to share with you, and it just didn't seem to come together. So I'm just going to try to speak from my heart about where I'm at with things. And I've shared a little bit, I think, with you over the years, some of you who know me. I came from Appalachia. I was born in East Kentucky, came to Indiana when I was 10 years old. Real culture shock to me when I came to Indiana. And uh, it was a tough thing because 10 years old, you know, I talked funny. They didn't understand how I talked. Uh, it didn't fit in, and so I was ridiculed. Uh, they made fun of my mom. They made fun of my dad. And, and you know, the result was I was in a fight <laughs> a lot of times. There were times when, you know, within that first year once I began school that, you know, it was almost every day on the way home from school, somebody would say something. And I had an anger built up in me and a hurt that I would just, when they would push it, I would just let the fists fly. And uh, I got a little tired of that after a while, and then I began to just try to fit in and uh, try to hide who I really was. You know, I changed the way I spoke, and I began to speak like the, like the Yankees did and trying to fit in because, you know, who wants to be the odd man out, right? You want to feel like you're accepted. But the problem with that can be that you begin to lose who you really are, you know, I was raised in the old regular Baptist church. Now, by the time I was about, you know, mid-teens, I didn't attend anymore, and I got old enough that dad and mom didn't force me to go. I quit going. But it was my heritage, and, and so over the years, it's like you had to distance yourself from that because everything that was associated with being from the southeast part of the United States, you being a hillbilly, you were considered ignorant and primitive and really beneath the people of the North. And that's a fact. Even today, there are people who make fun of hillbillies. And, you know, I know some folks many years ago at the church I was attending, they decided to have, I think they called it the hillbilly chili supper. 
kind of thing. And everybody was supposed to dress up in their idea of what a hillbilly was. And they blacked out their teeth to look like they were toothless and and wearing bib overalls and, you know, rough clothing. And, you know, it was offensive to me. It really was offensive to me. Now, they may not have meant that, but what kind of an attitude does one have when one believes that they're superior enough to uh, characterize other people as ignorant and as beneath you that you would make fun of them and uh, do a parody of who they really are? You know, there was a time I didn't, I didn't really think about things like that as much as I do now, but having come to terms with with the things that I've dealt with over my life, I begin to look at like my black American brothers and sisters and how they've been treated. And I can understand how they can feel the way they feel. Uh, I didn't understand that for a while. And I've got good friends that that are black Americans. And uh, I have a better understanding of what they've gone through and uh, how that can still have an impact on their lives. Native Americans, the First Nations, think about them. Think about how they were forced at gunpoint to change who they were to assimilate into Western society. And even when they did, they weren't accepted as equal, just like many in the black community. Not by everybody, not by everybody, but for a long, long time, that's the way it was. You know, you can act like us, and you better act like us to be accepted, but you're never going to be quite completely accepted. And that's just wrong, you know. And that was the culture in Israel, too. The idea of being grafted into Israel is a modern-day concept in, in some circles of the Hebrew Roots movement, in much of it. But that is born from the stranger who uh, joined himself to Israel that we read about in the Scriptures, and they were expected to become like Israel. So then later on, when people came to saving faith in Jesus, and there were many in the uh, elements of Judaism that were believers that thought that those Gentile believers had to become like the Israelite believers. They had to do the things that they did. They had to be circumcised, all of those kinds of things. But in Acts chapter 15, we read that the council decided that that was not what they were supposed to do. But that's still evident today in the Hebrew Roots Movement where you're expected to become like uh, a Jew. And so, you know, in my experience, uh, being raised an old regular Baptist uh, child, a kid, and then finally coming to saving faith, the knowledge of Jesus and being born again in 1987, and having to uh, feel like I needed to become like the Northern culture And that expression of Christianity, it caused me to even further lose who I was. I I didn't feel like that I had the freedom to express myself the way I was. Well, throughout the years when uh, I became involved with the church in 1993, I was born again in 87 and tried a few other churches, started out in the charismatic movement, you know, with the speaking in tongues and in some circles, that being the evidence that you're born again, which is not scriptural at all. And I came out of that because it was just, in my estimation and from my experience, it was becoming more money-focused than anything else. And I was really looking for, you know, real. I wanted real. But the problem was that I didn't know who I was, so I wasn't really looking at me 
for who I was. So that made it really hard to see the real in Jesus. So in 1993, I began attending a church called Maranatha Christian Fellowship, and we stayed there until 2020. We were there from August of 93 until July of 2020, one month shy of 27 years. And that church went through a lot of changes over the time. It began as Maranatha Christian Fellowship. It later would become Calvary Christian Fellowship to more closely align with the Calvary Chapel movement, who owned, or we sold actually, the radio stations that we as a church owned to Calvary Satellite Network and uh, being more closely affiliated or associated with them, we became a Calvary Christian Fellowship. Along the way, the culture shifted and it changed, just like culture generally does. So we were like that for quite a few years. And then in uh, the early 2000s, there was that uh, major shift to become more aligned with what's called the Hebrew Roots Movement. At that time, we still had uh, probably you know, a couple hundred people attending or more, but that dwindled down over the years as the emphasis on Hebrew roots and being under the law, under the Torah, became more predominant. And uh, it became very legalistic. Along the way, I was sucked completely into that. I was in leadership, and, you know, I look back on it, and I, I don't have any room to point fingers at anybody else because I was as much a part of it as anyone else. But I will say this, that what keeps most of us in those kinds of things is because we're not coming to terms with who we are, first of all, not coming to terms with our heritage and who we are and knowing who we are, and then understanding who we are and who we're to become when we're born again by the Spirit of God, by Jesus or Yehoshua, if you want to use his more accurate Hebrew name, according to the Strongs, at least. We really don't know how to pronounce it, but that's a subject for another time. But it's imperative that we look at that. Otherwise, we are easy prey because we're out there trying to find how we fit into this shifting cultural thing that's out there all of the time. You know, trying to make us over into this Western sanitized version of Christianity or trying to fit into this this Hebrew roots movement that's growing by leaps and bounds. And uh, what I've seen out of that is it ends up leading people further into Judaism, further into becoming like a Jew instead of being conformed into the image of God's own son. And so along the way, I was, like I said, I was sucked right into that. And uh, through a series of some you know, rough times in my family, I finally had to really listen. I'd been suppressing in my not being able to know who I really was and not being able to come right out and say, this is who I am. No, this is who I am. And trying to fit in and trying to measure up, I had suppressed the things that God, Yahweh, had been saying to me all along until I finally couldn't suppress it anymore, and it became very clear, and I walked out of that. And it's been a process of coming to terms with a lot of that since then, and uh, coming back to understanding just who I really am and who God wants me to be. And so what I want to say is this. To all of my brothers and sisters out there that are East Kentucky hillbillies, some of you aren't ashamed of that. You never were. I was. I was made to be ashamed because I was ridiculed, and I hid it, and I just couldn't come to terms with it, and I had to 
feel like I had to measure up. I know, again, a lot of you didn't, but I did, and it affected me. But there are some of us who did. We've lost who we were, where we came from. And I believe because of that, because of the inability to be real with who we are, we're not really understanding who we are to become. So instead, we are trying to become like the culture that we live in. And for us as Christians, us as believers, we are trying to become like the culture that we've uh, come to associate with, like the denomination that we might be in or the local expression of a church that we're in, those kinds of things, which makes it really hard. Then we begin to look at other people who are coming to believe and say, you've got to do that too. Being involved with this Celebrate Recovery group that I'm in, I've been teaching some of the guys over in the Kendallville area, and these are guys and there are women involved too in this wonderful work of God to set people free from addictions and lifestyle choices that have shipwrecked them. God is doing this, but it's opened my eyes to look at these people and say, you know, these are people that a lot of Christian churches would not be comfortable with them coming in because they don't look like they look like. You know, just like the Native American was forced to put on a suit and tie and act like a white man, that same kind of pressure still exists. When the old hymn says, come just as you are, that's really the way it's supposed to be. We don't come looking and trying to make ourselves look like the culture we're in. We come just like we are. We give our lives to Jesus. And we allow his spirit to make us into who he wants us to be. So my heart is, first of all, I've repented of that attitude. I am who I am. I was ridiculed for the kind of music because I like bluegrass music and I like country music and the ideas, you know, they look at you and go, oh, yeah, down, 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 make fun of you, crazy things like that. And so I just didn't share some of the music that I had been given to write because of that. But no more, you know, I am who I am. Is it perfect? No, not at all. None of us are. Am I a great singer? Nope, that's not the point. I've been given a voice. I've been given songs. I'm going to sing them. I am a hillbilly, and that's who I am. So I'm not going to hide that. I'm going to worship the Lord, and if I worship him with a country song, I worship him with a country song. Hey, I played rock music growing up, and for a lot of my adult life, up until I was born again, that form of music, that's a valid form of music. You can talk about the origins of the term rock and roll all you want, but music is music, my friend, and we use music to worship our King and our Savior, regardless of the style it is. God's not favoring one style of music over another. He doesn't favor orchestral classical music over classic rock, and he doesn't favor classic rock over country. And rap or hip-hop is just another form of a way to express yourself. And all of them, every one of them, need to be conformed to who Jesus is, to who God is, that in our expressions, it's accurate. In our expressions, it's elevating him and not ourselves and not a culture that we want to elevate, but just elevate him and allow him to do a work that he does to unify us. Look, whether we're black, brown, yellow, white, red, whatever we are, whether we come out of East Kentucky, Tennessee, California, North Dakota, the Southwest, the Northeast, New York City, and all the different cultures represented, whether we're from Europe, whether we're from Africa, whether we're from the Far East, the Middle East, 
it doesn't matter. God wants to take each one of us and make us all one brand new man, one brand new woman, one new body in him where he brings all the colors, the mosaic in Christ that we are, the various colors, the various cultures, and make all of those become to express worship and praise of him and to proclaim him for who he really is, to bring more people into the kingdom, more people into the body of Christ, and not alienate people because they don't look like us and they don't sound like us and they don't act like us. And so with my brothers and sisters that I've come to love and know in just the few short months I've been involved in Celebrate Recovery, hallelujah, I am so blessed by that. And I want to reach out in that way. I feel like I'm called to reach out and say, you know what? You're my brother. If you believe in Jesus, you're my brother. Tell me about yourself. Tell me who you are. Tell me where you came from. Tell me what the Lord is saying to you. I want to hear from you. And then let me tell you about me. And let's find out how God wants to put us together by the power of his spirit, not through conforming to one culture over another, but allowing him to conform us into the very image of Jesus himself that we begin to be his representatives and just celebrate the differences that we have. That's my heart. Those are the things that he's laid on my heart. So as I continue pushing forward and and doing what I believe he's called me to do, to actually begin a fellowship in the Auburn or Auburn, Indiana area, could be closer to Kendallville, could be Auburn, could be Waterloo. You know, for those of you who are uh, listening to this from Northeast Indiana, you'll know the areas I'm talking about. In that general vicinity, I don't know the exact place, but it's to do that. It's to open this up that we all seek the Lord together, that the various colors, again, I use that term, the mosaic that we are in Jesus, the body of Christ, the body of Messiah, Yehoshua, Jesus, that we come together and we proclaim his goodness and his love and his mercy that he might draw, use us to draw more people into the kingdom of God. That's the whole point. That's my heart. That's where I'm coming from. And, you know, if you feel like you feel the tug on your heart that you'd like to know more about it, if it's something that you feel like you'd like to be a part of, if you feel like you're being called to do that, let me know. You know, Josh is going to give you all my contact information here in just a bit. Contact me, email, phone call. I'd love to hear from you. I would love your prayers. And uh, I guess that's about it. That's what's on my heart. I hope it's not too disjointed that you might understand what I'm saying, that I'm not being cryptic, that I'm being right out in the open about where I'm at, and leave it right there. Again, if you have questions or if I'm not being clear, let me know. Many blessings to you. Peace, grace to you in Yehoshua Messiah, Jesus Christ, the anointed one of Elohim of God. And I'll talk to you again next time. Bye now. If you've been encouraged by this podcast, please subscribe to Love is Calling and tell your friends to check it out. If you have any questions, email banner at bannerkid.com. That's B-A-N-N-E-R at B-A-N-N-E-R-K-I-D-D dot com. And join us for future episodes of Love is Calling as we continue to focus on Jesus, the lover of our souls. Mm -hmm.